As we enter into this new year, I would like to begin by spending some time focusing on the Gospels. Now, I want to provide a little bit of definition about what we mean by the Gospel. Gospel could mean a a few different things to different people, and it's different ways of looking at it. The word itself, Gospel, is derived from an old English term, which was a translation of the Greek word that was originally written by um, the, the authors of the Bible. The Greek word euangelion means glad tidings or good or joyful news. Matthew used it to describe Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of God. In Matthew 4.23, we read, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. The euangelion is what he wrote. And in Christianity, we we use that word gospel specifically for the good news of Jesus Christ and his offer of forgiveness and grace and salvation to all of mankind. That old English translation of euangelion was a word that means the news or story of God, and the word was Godspell, G-O-D-S-P-E-L, Godspell. And eventually, that morphed into gospel. So that's, that's the way how we got the word gospel. When we talk about the gospels of the Bible, we're referring, of course, to the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those books refer, or, or focus on telling us the good news of Jesus. These writings are a unique blend of a few different kinds of literature. They're partially biographical, giving us information about Jesus' life. They're partially historical. Um, They recount certain events in history, including details about things that were happening at the time when Jesus was among us. Um, And I think that's an important note to make because it places the biblical text firmly within the history of the world. There aren't any other religious texts that I know of that that do that, like the Bible does, that gives us these historical anchors that show us that these events did happen. Uh, The Gospels are partially as well theological. Each Gospel writer had a certain spiritual message that they're communicating. They're serving as messengers of God to mankind in what they wrote. So these Gospels are the foundational message that we want to share with the world. As Christians, we're called to share the Gospel. What does that mean? And I think this is a critical time for us to focus on that basic foundation of what we're here for. There's a lot of confusion in our world today about what Christianity really is. What is the Gospel? And this confusion is both in and outside the church. I was talking to a pastor friend recently who shared a statistic that 30% of Americans have never heard the gospel. And just 20 years ago, you talk to any theologian, they would say, oh, Americans are a completely saturated people group. Everyone in America has heard the gospel. But that number of people who have never heard it in America is growing as newer generations of Americans are growing up having no experience, firsthand experience with the church at all. What a lot of Americans know about the gospel comes from second and third hand information sources that aren't necessarily accurate. Um, but as I said, it's in and out of the church. There's all kinds of research showing confusion among Christians about what the Bible actually teaches. We continue to hear reports of people being hurt by the church, reports of moral failing among leaders. Um, lack of trust in the church. There's questions about what church is really for. Something is not right here. 
And we need to get back to our foundations. I think we need some serious self-reflection and correction in the church today. And it's not enough to just ask God to bring about revival. That's not how God always works in our world. We can't just pray and say, okay, God, just come in and just change everything. Well, the way he does it is through us. We need to ask and invite God to change us, to ask what we need to do differently. And as Christians, make a serious commitment to refocusing on our biblical gospel foundations. And while there may not be a perfect church in this world, for our part in God's work, we should make every effort to get as close as we possibly can to exactly what Jesus called us to be. So my hope and prayer is that we as a church could choose to follow faithfully after Jesus regardless of what anyone else is doing. That we would see this time as an, as an opportunity to discover new depths of understanding Jesus and drawing close to him and sharing him and his character with people who've never really understood who he has, who he is. We can see the state of our world as a problem or we could see it as an opportunity for us to do something because we have been given the word of God. And this is where we're going to see God at work among us. And this is what brings me to just going through the Gospels together. These Gospels are the best source of information in existence about who Jesus really is and what he taught, what God wants from us. So let's approach this study with not just our minds seeking to know what the Bible says or being refreshed in things that we've heard before, but inviting God to radically change the way we think and live so that we are following him faithfully. And we're going to begin with the book of John, which is often a good place for, for new Bible readers to start. If anyone who you meet has never read the Bible before, I recommend they start in the book of John. It's just a good place for people to start. And there's several ways that John stands out from the other Gospels. It's considered to be the most theological of the four. John draws us deeper into the spiritual meaning of who Jesus is and what he did. Um, and you can see this right in the beginning. We'll get to it in a moment. But Matthew and Luke begin their Gospels with the events leading up to Jesus' birth. Mark begins with Jesus as an adult coming to be baptized. But John starts at a completely different point. Last Sunday and at Christmas, I referred to some of these passages we're going to be reading through today. So there's going to be a bit of a review today, but hopefully we can go a little bit deeper here as well. So we're going to begin by reading John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. If you'd like to grab a Bible and open up and follow along, that would be great. And if anyone here would like to come up and read that for us, I'd love to invite you to come up here. Read John 1, 1 through 5 for us to get us started. Rochelle, great. Come on up. John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. All right. So there's a lot 
that John says here when we really stop and explore these words. Um, our English translation actually does a pretty good job of capturing everything that, that, that John wrote, but when you start to look at the Greek, and I've read through a couple of commentaries on the Greek language um, that was used here, it, there's, some, there's some nuances that Paul uses in how he writes that really bring out the emphasis of what he was trying to say. So let's just walk through this again and see what the message John is saying just in the beginning of this gospel. So first of all, where does it begin? In the beginning. And it's clear as you continue to read, the beginning that he's talking about is before the beginning of creation. He's going all the way back before any of us ever existed. John wants us to know right away that Jesus is not just a spiritual teacher. He's not just some prominent person and healer. He is eternal. He is the creator. And that is the proper way for us to start our understanding of who Jesus is. And he says, in the beginning, the word, or that was the word. In the beginning was the word. And the Greek word there, logos, is a word that means the spoken word. And it can also um, refer to not just the words that are spoken, but by the idea and intention behind those words. You can think of it as the will and the intention of God. So in beginning was the word. And although John doesn't say it explicitly, this gospel is about Jesus. And John is referring to Jesus in some metaphorical ways. He is the word of God. He is the light of God. He is the Christ, and he is the Messiah. You read these things as you go on. So John is again communicating about the true identity of Jesus. From the beginning of time, he, he's making it clear that Jesus is the word of God. He existed before anything and anyone else. And then you read this next phrase that says, The Word was with God, and the Word was God. When you stop and think about that, that can can sound a little confusing and contradictory. So he was with God, but he was God. What is is John saying there? Well, there's two important points that John is making. When he writes with God, he's using words there to express that the Word is a distinct personality from God. The way John writes this, it could be understood that the Word was face-to-face with the Father or at home with the Father. He's communicating specifically in that moment when he says he's with God to say that the Word, Jesus, and God the Father are two distinct personalities, but they're very close. But then he goes on to say the Word was God. And in that case, he's saying that the word is equal to the Father. So he's communicating to you that, that Jesus and God the Father are distinct but equal personalities of God. And that's an important theological point just for us to be aware of as we think about who Jesus is and his relationship to God. This whole idea of Trinity is built off of this. But John is just further communicating to us Jesus' eternality, his majesty, that he is equal with God the Father. And then he goes on to say that all things were created through him. All things were made through the word. The universe was created through the agency of the word of God. 
And I think this gives deeper meaning to Genesis. When we read in Genesis 1 that God said, let there be light. When God said, when God separated the waters, all these ways that God spoke creation into existence that we read in Genesis. And then we think about Jesus being the word of God, the, the, the spoken word of God, the will and intention of God. You can see Jesus right there in Genesis creating along with the Father. And, and John emphasizes this for us. And he says that through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And he puts extra emphasis here in the Greek words that he uses. He's, he's saying that everything was made by Jesus and not even anything in existence came into being without him. Right? It's not enough for John to just say Jesus created the world. He was there in the beginning. He's like, nothing, absolutely nothing exists without Jesus' will and intention and thought. It gives us a glimpse of the enormity of who Jesus is. Can we look around ourselves with a sense of wonder and awe as we consider this? Absolutely everything that exists, seen and unseen, no matter how large, no matter how small, exists because of Jesus. There's a quote in this commentary I read that says, everything that has reached existence must have passed through the will of God of the word. And it says Jesus had to decide that something could exist before it ever did. Every element, every molecule, every physical thing that exists, even the laws of how things interact with each other in this world existed because Jesus intended it to. There's something amazing about that to, to, to dwell on. We'll come back to that a little bit more. Jesus is the path of all life, of everything in existence. And then John continues from there to say, in him was life. And so every form of life comes through Jesus as will. Whether we're talking about just physical life, intellectual, moral, and spiritual life that comes to us, right? And this life is not just that we live and breathe, but there's something beyond that. Jesus, Paul, or John goes on to say that, it, that life was the light of men, the light of life, the essence of God that turns us from a mass of chemicals into a living being with thought, with intention, with our own ideas about how things could and should be. It's that essence that sets part, mankind apart from all of creation, being created in God's image that, that Jesus gave to us. And John is speaking about something that's inherent to all of mankind. This isn't something that he's saying, you Christians, you have this because you knew Jesus. This is something that the word of God, Jesus, built into all of existence, into all of mankind. He gave them the light of life. And, Jesus, and Paul makes a distinction here that Jesus is not just a light, but he says he is the light. And that's an important point. It could be one of many lights out there, right? People, there are some who believe that there are lots of ways to have intellect and intelligence and lots of sources of life. And John is saying, no, he is the light. Jesus is the absolute source of all intellectual and moral truth. 
And in giving us life, he imparted us the ability to access that light that he's given to mankind. Now up to this point, John is writing things about, about things that happened at the point of creation. In the beginning. But in, there, in verse 5, he switches to the present. He says the light shines in the darkness, but darkness has not. Um, well, we'll talk a little bit more about the word here. The, the NIV here says understood it. Some translations say overcome it. We'll come back to that in a moment. But the point is that now he's talking about the present. The light shines in the darkness. He's speaking about the current point in time. And we can apply it to our, our, uh, our point in time as well. It's a time where sin has invaded and infected the world. That's the darkness that has come in. And in spite of all that sin and brokenness and darknesses, darkness, he says the light, the true light, the word of God shines in that darkness. It has not been extinguished. It has not gone away. It is still here. And he's giving hope to his readers that in spite of everything that we see around him, this light, this true light that has given life to all of mankind, the word of God that has brought everything into existence, he shines right now in our current time. But then he makes this last statement. He says, the darkness has not overcome it, or, it's, or it could be that the darkness has not understood it. And the reason we have different words there in our translations, what could mean different things, is it's not exactly clear what... John meant by the word that he used there. And this is the challenge with translations sometimes. You know how familiar people are with translating from one language to another. Sometimes that original language word, is, it's not really clear what it means in a different language. And so this word has a couple of different ways it could be understood. And it's possible that John is communicating both of these points. We just don't know for sure. But here's what he could be communicating. In one sense, he could be saying that darkness has not taken over. Darkness has not overcome the light, right? We haven't strayed so far away from God that we have extinguished the light of God that's within us. It still comes through. It has not been overcome. The other way this could be understood is that um, the darkness cannot make sense of the light. The darkness has not understood it. And there's something theological for us to understand about that, I think. In a sense, John might be saying that something about sin has affected our ability to live the way Jesus intended us to be. Jesus is a sort of the source of the light of God within us. But because we have sinned, because sin has so overtaken the world, we, we have lost sight of that light. We, we, we lose our understanding about what Jesus actually intended for us. And although mankind was in the beginning given the light of God, our sin and the sinfulness of the world has separated us from that light and diminished our understanding of the light, diminished our awareness of God. And so John might be just highlighting the current state of the world. He's saying that there is a darkness here. The darkness doesn't understand the light of God. We have been separated from him. We have been diminished in our capabilities and our abilities because of that darkness. But the light continues to shine. The light of God is there. I'm going to 
just stop and reflect on those passages for a while there. I hope you get some sense of what John is communicating. And when you really stop and think about it, there's a lot to take in here. As I was studying this and thinking about what to share with you today, my heart and mind were just full, thinking about all that John has said here about Jesus being the word of God, being the source of life and the light of mankind. And I think this really ought to inspire in us a sense of awe as we explore and interact with the world that God has placed us in and what he's doing among us. Knowing that Jesus is the source of everything in existence, that he intended everything to exist, really ought to give us an awareness that everything we encounter owes its existence to him and can awaken a sense in us, a, a, a sense of worship for our creator in everything that we can do, everything we do. Everything you interact with in the world can give you an opportunity to know Jesus in a new way or just to give him thanks, to worship him. And I want to invite us today to see our world with new eyes, to give him thanks and praise for the life that we have. When I think about studying our world, of course, I think about science. But I think science, as we understand it today, is such a pale expression of understanding the world. Because we've kind of twisted it into something, or we use it in a way that, that is something to meet our desires. We look for ways to gain some sense of control over the world. We try to unlock mysteries of the world so that we can bend them for our purposes, often without considering the long-term consequences of those things. We, we use the world, basically, for our purposes. And that's how a lot of people approach study of the world today. But when we understand that everything we encounter was made on purpose by Jesus... That nothing in existence is an accident or just a random act of nature. It's the complete opposite of the message we hear from others today, isn't it? But if we can understand ourselves that nothing in existence is an accident, that Jesus was intentional about bringing all things into being, I think we can encounter and, and be amazed by our world in new ways. Our study of the world becomes an expression of worship and wonder. For many, that was how science decades, centuries ago was founded, by people understanding this was God's world and help me to understand this, Lord. We can increase our awe as we discover more and more of just how incredibly vast and complex this world was. I had an opportunity yesterday to just praise God I'm just amazed by him. I was talking to my younger brother, Greg. He's a researcher who studies brains. And he is working on several projects where they're trying to map out specifically how different nerves are connected and travel through our brain. Ultimately, one day, possibly beyond his lifespan, he's hoping that they'll have a map of the human brain of every specific neuron that will give us an ability to understand how our brains work. And as I was listening to him talk and thinking about just how tiny amount of information we have about how the brain processes things like visual images. And Greg shared with me that we know today, if you look at like a letter M, 
You see the letter M, and you can track, trace the, the neural impulses through your octop nerve. Those impulses will be in the shape of letter M as they travel back through your brain. And he's like, why is that? How does that work? That's what they're trying to understand, but that's, it's just amazing to me that God made us this way. When we think about how we process things that we smell, how we see anything, how the different parts of our brain are inter- interconnected. As I'm listening to him talk about the science behind this, I'm like, oh my goodness, the Lord is so incredible. His, his creation is way beyond our understanding. And the more we learn about it, the more amazed I am at how he has made this world and how complex our bodies are, how interconnected everything is and how they work together. It is truly a moment of worship as we understand more about him and how gracious he is to impart his light to us so that we can gain some understanding of him and what he's done. He gives us the ability to ask questions, to explore, to seek understanding about his marvelous works. And that's really what I want to invite us to today. I want to invite us to a life of awe and wonder of the creator of life as we think more about just how incredible this world is and that he created it all. As you discover his light that he has imparted to you and as you move closer to him and gain a greater understanding of him, may your life be filled with more awe and wonder as you worship him in every moment. And when I think about exploring the world, it's not just limited to what we think of as the sciences today, studying neurons and brains and engineering and things like that. It's also exploring the art and the beauty of the world, learning things like how musical tones are produced by vibrations and how they blend together to create new tones and harmonies and melodies and how it creates beauty in our world. Learning how colors and shapes and sounds and and smells interact to create new beauty in our world and increase our awe and awareness of our Creator. We can praise the Word for His works as you stop and look up at the stars and think about every star out there being some some planet, some celestial body that Jesus placed in the heavens. And it follows a path that he determined. May our interactions with the world be full of such awe. And let me just throw that out to you for a moment. just, Just take a moment and think about the wonders of this world. What brings you to that sense of awe of our creator as you look at and interact with our world. The night sky, sky, yeah. Yeah, as we, we get closer to those things and we can see them with these huge, we get a closer look at what those things are and it's just amazing to see these nebula and what those planets are. And they, and what a marvel that is, right? You can, you, can, you can step across the source of the Mississippi, but when you get down to Louisiana, it's vast. And you think about the power of water flowing along and what that does. 
Yeah. It's marvelous, amazing what God has created. Yeah. Yes. When you look at the sun, sunset over the water, those, yeah, what colors do you see? Transforms the world, doesn't it? There's great beauty in that. What else gives you awe and wonder of God's creation? There's uh, one thing that literally goes along the first four. Um, the light was the light of men. And also proves that the, um, that the Bible is way ahead of people <laughs> um, in terms of like scientific discoveries. It's something that, I don't know exactly how recently it was discovered, but there's literally there's literally a spark of light at the moment of conception and that that's another thing that just gives me on wonder to think about how you have these biochemical reactions happening and yet there there still has to be that spark of life to make us living beings and what an awesome thing it is that we can actually think of those things. We've developed language. We've developed writing to be able to communicate these things. That is, that is a marvel in itself. It's part of that light of God that he has imparted to us, that ability to think and to share, to communicate. Medicine, too. a marvel. Yeah. We have come such a long way as human beings in understanding how we can treat the human body. Anything else? Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made. Not, not anything exists without Jesus' will and intention. And in him was life, and that life is the light of men. And that light continues to shine in spite of the darkness. May we learn and grow and explore with a sense of thankfulness to the Lord. He gives us this life, the light of truth that he provides. Let's give him thanks for the ability to know his works and through them to know him and that we can have the ability to share and reflect his light to others. May we seek that light. May we crave it. May we allow it to transform the way we think. I think this, this is where the gospel begins and where it begins to have impact on, our, on us. Our life as followers of Christ is founded on the knowledge that Jesus is the source of all things. He is the word of God. It was by his will and intention that everything came to be. He is life, and he is the light. Whatever light that we have within us, any knowledge of God, any goodness that's within us, that was imparted to us by Jesus. And all of this he did in the beginning before he ever came in human form. His light continues to shine in the darkness. It's available to us. 
And we must be awakened to it and seek it. So may we live a life of wonder as we continue to explore our world and see our creator in it. And as we continue to explore the gospel, may we continue to come back to this foundation that he is the source of all good things. He is the light of life. Let's praise him. Give him thanks. Celebrate him with our, our closing song and celebrate him more as we fellowship together afterward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for life. We thank you for existence. This, this world you've given us truly is a marvel, Lord. May we be like children as we explore it, Lord, full of wonder. For all the things that we are just used to, everything around us every day, Lord, I pray that you would re- reawaken us this week to find and see you in it and to praise you because you are our life and our light. In Jesus' name, amen.